hints around here. We don't want to be obvious, but we'll, we'll run a clock and flash some lights to let you know when it's getting close. So, uh, welcome everyone. Um, it's good to see some of you back from last week. It's good to see all of you back from whenever you were here before. And if, if you're not here, this is your first time, you're like, I've never been back. Welcome. My name's Tom, and, and we're excited that you're here. If, you, if this is your first time, I would assume that by now you've been greeted. Somebody maybe have, has given you a little gift bag. And I just, I would encourage you to look through that, enjoy the, the little gifts in there, but also um, it gives just a ton of information about who we are, and, and we want you to be aware of just kind of what we're about and what's going on around here. Today, right after service, we have a carry-in lunch and a dessert auction. So here's how the carry-in lunch works. You're supposed to bring food to share with everybody. Carrie, am I just really funny to you this morning? <laughs> if... Ushers, if she giggles another time, this quadrant over here. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Um, the carry-in. We want everybody to stay. So if you forgot to to bring some food, if you um, whatever, just stay anyways. If you can run out and grab a hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars, I think there's going to be a lot of us doing that right after service. We're going to clear them out real quick. If you, here's the rule though. Because I heard somebody say they're going to just order Jimmy John's. If you order food to the church, you have to tip the delivery person super well, okay? Don't, don't jip them and put that on the church. Like, oh, that church, like, didn't give me a tip. Like, you have to give them a huge tip if you order Jimmy John's or Pizza Hut or something. It's a rule. It's like in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> but but here, here's what... The, the auction, as you can see, we have some great... Great desserts. I think we actually have fish too. So fish and desserts, it's almost biblical. Um, I'm on a roll. I'm going to keep going. I'm about to start talking about being naked, so get ready. Um, (laughs) That's why you guys came back. Uh, Are we recording yet? We are recording? Okay, I got to clean it up. Um, Scott is leaving at the end of May for two years to Mozambique as a pilot and mechanic for a ministry there. Mozambique just got hit with a tsunami, right, Scott? A what? Hurricane, cyclone. They just got hit this Thursday. Part of what he's going for is to bring relief for situations like this. And we just want to, we want to try and raise some money to help send them off and help um, relieve that, that uh, stress of, of having to support, have support so you can go serve God. So that's what today's about. So we're, we're hoping that you come and you will stay, and that you're not, you're not going to stay and try and get a deal on one of these, but you plan to spend like five times more, ten times more than what you would. So a, a cheesecake, there's a, a key lime cheesecake. I guarantee you to love it because my wife made it, and that's her f- best thing. That would sell for how much in a store? 25 bucks? That should go for 150 <laughs> Just saying. And, and you, will, you will offend my wife, and you, you will work into her woundings of life if it doesn't go for 150 right? Put a sad face on. And we... Yeah. And we have a professional auctioneer to do the work, and he's really good at bidding everybody up, so we, we're going to do well today. So if you have no money, stay, because it's just going to be fun. So last week with Easter... If you were here, who would say that that was an awesome day? It was incredible. Like, it, it, yeah, you guys could clap for Jesus. Um, it was an incredible Sunday. I, I told some of our people, 
I, I believed it was probably the best Sunday we have ever had as a church since we started it. And as you, if you would know, that was our fifth Easter Sunday, and we started having Sunday morning services on Easter Sunday. So we, we kind of finished four years last week. So we're starting our fifth year as a church, and it was just an incredible incredible day. And what I believe with that is that we received. God, God you, you met God. You, you were able to worship and, and meet God during the worship time, during the service, that maybe there was something that you, you were able to take home with you and, and put into your life and start, and just a truth from, from, from God that you were able to just employ in your life and, and hold on as, as part of, of who you are and how God created you to be. I already believe God's given me the message for next Palm Sunday. This is the dangling cliffhanger for you to come back. <laughs> Stick around for a year and you'll hear the message next Sunday. But, um, but here's what, I, here's what I, I, I wonder, and, and this has just been playing out over the past few months with me, a couple months specifically, is I wonder if when we receive from God in that way, and, and you know God does something in our life, that the enemy t- wants to come in and cut it out from underneath us. And, and, and the enemy maybe wants to come and steal whatever seed was planted that took place in our life. So if, if last Sunday was a great Sunday for you, you really felt mo- you know, like just ramped up with your relationship with God, I wonder if maybe this week you got hit with something. Or this week you dealt with a past experience and it just kind of wanted, you know, you felt like your legs were being cut out from underneath you. And what I find is I talk with a lot of people who are carrying the weight and the burden and the shame from past experiences. And, and, and they, they, they walk around in a, in a state of unforgiveness. And a lot of times the unforgiveness comes from within themselves. That they themselves are carrying this shame in which they can't forgive themselves. God's forgiven them. The people maybe they, they offended has forgiven them, but themselves, they tend to carry this around. And, and even as we started to talk last week, that's not how we were created. We were created to walk in this complete freedom with our Father, with our Creator, and we're, completed, we're created to walk in complete openness and freedom with those around us. A few years ago, just a couple years ago, Joe and I went to dinner at some friend's house. At the time, they had three kids. Um, at the time, their kids were a brand new baby, about a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I believe this is the aging, okay? So we had dinner. We were sitting around the table just talking. It was probably 8.30, 8, 8, 8 o'clock, 8.30, and it was time for the kids to start getting ready for bed. And so the kids just kind of automatically started doing certain, certain things, like the older one was, like, had this ritual of getting the pajamas out for everybody in the household. I asked permission to share this story for that, that person that's re- realizing I'm talking about them right now. I asked your husband. So, so the, the, the two little kids started getting ready for, for, for bed. And at one point, the little boy runs into the room to ask mom a question, and he's buck naked. Like, hey, what's up, dude? And I'm sure that one of us made a comment like, whoa, you know, like, because that's what we do. And it was probably me because that's what I do. And, <laughs> and within a few moments, the little girl comes down and she's buck naked and they're having a party. They're running around. They're jumping up and down. They're doing little dances. And we were just kind of like chuckling about it, but it was just, it was just funny. And 
then it was time for us to leave. And so, you know, I think there's an Indiana goodbye where you walk people to the door and then you walk out and you wave at them as they drive away. So this family was doing that goodbye to us. And we were getting in the car and it was mom holding the little baby and dad and two little naked kids dancing around in the, in the driveway saying goodbye to us. They're getting older, and I'm going to remember this story for them when they're teenagers, and I get a chance to speak when they're in youth group, and I'll tell the story. Here's the point of that story. Those two little kids had zero, zero knowledge of being completely exposed to the rest of us. And it, it, was, it didn't phase them at all. They didn't care. They were completely free to just enjoy the time that they were having. Now, if we as adults had to strip down naked in order to enjoy some time, how many of you guys would say that would be a little bit awkward? I would say that's a little bit awkward. And um, I realize that somewhere in our lives as kids we begin to be taught that it's not good to be naked in front of other people. I've said naked. Keep a counter because I want to see how many times. Um, but it's not good for us to be naked in front of other people. We have three kids, and I know that I can could, I could remember back certain times, and I, I don't, I'm sure Joe and I just, we taught them, like, hey, there's people coming over. might be a good, good idea to get some clothes on. Um, and at some, there became a point where our kids just stopped being naked in the house. You know, as little kids, they ran around. It was no big deal. And there became this line with them where they just decided, I can't be naked in front of mom and dad. I can't be naked in front of my siblings. I can't. And so that point ends for them. And I know that we taught it. And I know that it's something that we all learn. And I know that with us, at that point, we become aware when we're exposed and we're, when we're naked. Here's the point. Oftentimes, the Bible equates nakedness with shame. And we'll see that in some, some verses. And being fully exposed is to be shamed. And so what do we do is we cover up, we protect, we hide with a, and, and are afraid to reveal who we really are. I think even as I mentioned, the words nakedness being exposed and this idea can make some of us feel uncomfortable. So here's what I'm hoping to discover. I'm hoping for us to discover this morning that because of Jesus, that we can find freedom to be naked. Now let me just clarify something. I'm not starting a nudist colony. Who is disappointed that we're not starting a new call? There's one a couple hours away. I could probably give you directions. Not that I've been there, but um, <laughs> drove past it once. I was pretty shocked. What is that? Um, but we're, I mean, we're not starting a nudist colony. What I'm talking about is emotionally and spiritually allowing ourselves to be fully exposed without shame before God, our creator, and before those that we're in relationship with. And I think what would happen is when we come to a place of recognizing that because of Jesus, the shame that, that, that we want to carry on ourselves, that others want to put on us, we don't have to do that. We're carrying a weight. We're shouldering something that we were never created to shoulder. And through Jesus and through the work he did on the cross, we have, we have a way to get rid of that 
that shame in our life. So let's just, let's just look at a quick definition of what shame is. Shame is an unpleasant, self-conscious emotion typically associated with a negative evaluation of, of the self. Maybe you can relate. It's feelings of distress, exposure, mistrust, powerlessness, and worthlessness. Now, if I'm naked standing here in front of you, I'm going to feel a lot of those things, just to be honest with you. And, and if I asked any of us, any of you to stamp into my place, you would feel the same thing. And so that's where the nakedness and the shame come together. Look at this scripture in Genesis, the story of creation. It says, but the Lord God warned him. You may freely eat from the fruit of every tree in the garden, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Here's, what, here's what's happening. God is finishing his creation. He has created the, the world. He has created the, um, this, everything. Just I'm not going to go through the list. But in the garden, he has planted luscious trees. It says he, tr- he planted in the center the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he, he says to Adam, the first man, you get to freely eat from everything you see except for this one tree. There's one prohibition that God gives to his creation And we can go into great depth of why we believe God did that. We can't do that right now. But I wonder if because God says don't eat from that tree. Once you eat from that tree and you you get the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. I wonder if we were created to have an innocence about us, an unknowing of good and evil in, in a way that it doesn't affect us as we walk with God. But now we know. And because we know, shame happens. But I don't believe that's how we were created. When we were created, I wonder if he created us just to have a kind of innocence that these two little kids that ran naked around and didn't have any concerns had. Does that make sense? I know we could go deep into that, and I could get really deep into some, some theology there, but... but um, Just ride with me with that thought that maybe we are created to not have this this awareness of evil in our life to where we experience shame. God, God made Adam and Eve, and the last verse of God's creation story says this, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Do you see that? They were like the two little kids in the story that I just told. But then sin happened, and complete awareness and knowledge came, and the very first thing that we see happen as a result of of the sin, of of the taking of that fruit, as we go through the story in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, they've eaten the fruit, and it says, at the moment, at that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Immediately, this awareness of, I have no clothes. Now, I wonder if it wasn't as much of a physical awareness, even though they responded in a physical way, as a a heart awareness that, oh, I've breached a covenant that was made between me and God. Oh, that person has stepped into selfishness because they were willing to sin, and now I can't trust that person to look at me in my innocence because they may shame me 
And I now have sin in my life, so I can't look at myself the way I was created, and I can't look at that person because they have sin in their life too. And we, 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 our eyes are open to what we weren't supposed to see, and we cover ourselves up. And ever since that point, we have been covering ourselves to cover our shame. Here's three quick stories. The woman at the well. If you remember the story of this woman at the well, her life was a wreck after five failed marriages. She stopped with the formalities. She stopped going to the well at the time that socially the women would go to the well. And she came to the well when the sun was blazing so she could draw water alone and hide from the comments, hide from the whispers and the condemning looks. Do you remember when David, King David, sees Bathsheba on the top of the roof? He's a powerful man, and he abused his power to sleep with another man's wife. Then he got her pregnant. And in order to hide the fear of being exposed for his wickedness, he, tr- he tried to cover it up, which turned into a murder. And then there was this woman with the issue of blood who suffered for 12 years. And all that time, she was unclean, uncomfortable, and uncomforted. She saw Jesus heal others long and longed to receive his touch. But how could she ask him in front of a whole crowd? How can she tell him what was going on in front of a whole crowd? So she sought to hide in the crowd and be healed by simply reaching out and touching the fringe of his garment. Here's three stories of people who tried to hide their shame in the wrong places. But the wonderful thing is, is that all three of them experienced God's power and break to break the shame that was held over them, and God set them free. And here's the thing for us this morning. This experience of God breaking shame in our life and setting us free can be ours. It's, it is ours. It's ours for the taking. So how do we choose to cover our shame? Here's some ways. We hide, we hide in our homes, or we hide away from our homes. We hide in our rooms, or we hide in our offices. We hide in our housework, we hide in our yard work, we hide in our garage puttering. We hide behind computers and phones and newspapers and magazines. We hide behind earphones and Netflix and ESPN. We hide behind fashion facades, educational facades, career facades, Facebook facades. That's, that's one for sure. Oh, and pulpit facades. wonder who that's talking to. We hide behind busyness and we hide in procrastination. We hide in outright lies or diversionary conversations. We hide behind sullenness and we hide behind humor. We hide behind bravado and we hide behind timidity. We hide in our extroversion and we hide in our introversion. Do you get the point? That in everything we do, we find a place to hide a shame and cover something up in order to not be exposed for what we're dealing with in our life. And this is not how we are created to live. We are not created to hide behind a facade, covering up our true identity. We were created to live unashamed, completely naked, in unity with God and others. I had this experience about a month and a half ago. I was in Russia, and we traveled about 13 hours on a train to this remote village. Like I think I said this before when I made a comment about this. The train tracks ended at this remote villa. Like, they didn't, they didn't go anymore. But there's a, a pastor who had planted a vineyard church there, and we wanted to go um, visit him and see the work he was doing. So we got into the train station about 8 a.m., and he picked us up. 
And as he's starting to drive us around, he starts to explain to us the, the, the schedule for the day. And so the schedule was to give us a tour of the, of the village. His, him and his wife had opened a little cafe in order to, to meet, meet the locals and, and provide food because it was a small village, so there wasn't a lot of restaurants. So they, we were going to go to the cafe. We were going to go meet some of the people that he's gathered as part of his church plant. And then we were also going to meet some of the other pastors who have churches in the, in the surrounding areas. And then the end of the day was going to end at Abanya. Now, a banya is a sauna. It's, it's like when we say a sauna, it's a Russian version of a sauna. It's not exactly the same as a sauna. It's a little bit different. Here's the point. You go into a room for five minutes, and the room is 230 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, I had somebody challenge me on the temperature, and uh, we Googled it, and it's correct, 230 degrees. So you're in an oven. You step in for five minutes. You could barely breathe, breathe, it's miserable. Then you step out, and if there's snow, you go jump in the snow. If there's not snow, you can cover, throw water on you, or you just can sit and kind of cool down, and then you go back in for five minutes, and you go out for five minutes, and you do this cycle for about an hour, and it detoxes your entire body. You, your pores open up, and everything just comes out, and you are just extremely clean. Here's the catch. You go in completely naked with whoever's going to go to the banya. So we're going to the banya. I kind of had a hint that we were going to go to the banya and it was a naked thing. And so my first thought at eight o'clock in the morning and my first question was, oh, so should we pack our swim trunks? (laughs) No, we go naked. It's like, oh. And then some anxiety started to build up in me. And I was like, oh. So throughout the day, oh, tonight we're going to the Bonnie. And it was this exciting thing. And for me, it's like, oh, I got to go get naked with some people. So the time came to go to the Banya. And we walked into the room where you get prepared. And we stripped down. All the way down. We stripped down. So there was this moment in, my, in, in this process where I'm, it was a suck it up moment. It was a, I'm about to be completely exposed. Now, I don't want anybody of you to sin this morning, but this was about to be shown. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Shouldn't have said that. Strike that. <laughs> there was three of us in the banya. It was myself. It was Kent Butcher. Recorded Camp Butcher, B-U-T-C-H-E-R, Syracuse Vineyard Pastor, and Sasha Shaktarian, who's the pastor of this, this vineyard church in Russia. And so we go into the banya, and Kent and I, because we're Americans and this is not normal for us, we're trying to be discreet. Sasha, because he's Russian, he was just talking to us, like, <laughs> hey, guys, and he was in close proximity, and it was a bit awkward, and it was a bit like, oh, this is extremely, extremely uncomfortable. When is this going to end? The truth is, when it was all said and done, it was an extremely awesome experience. The way, the way your skin felt, the, just how refreshed you were, it was incredible. And I honestly look forward to doing it next time I go back. But, but at the moment, it was extremely uncomfortable. Now, let me just be completely open with you guys and vulnerable. The anxiety that built through the day and the, 
the, the, the questioning of, do I really want to do this? All boiled down to how I was going to measure up to the other men in the room. That's, that's what I was dealing with. What are these other men going to think of me and how am I going to measure up to them in complete exposure? And that bring, brought a lot of anxiety. And I would imagine that if you were in my position, you would be feeling the same anxiety. Maybe you wouldn't, but, but as Americans, I asked Natasha when she was here a few weeks ago, I go, hey, we went to this banya. It was kind of awkward for us as Americans. And she goes, oh, yeah, over the past 20 years, whenever Americans come, the women, the men, they all get really nervous, the Americans, when they have to go into the banya. But for the Russians, it's just a way of life. In fact, they have a statement that says, there's no secrets in here. Well, you can't keep a secret because there's nowhere to put a secret. And so... But during that process of being concerned about how am I measuring up, here's what I realized happened. What I realized hap- it was happening is that through my life, I have been taught certain things that caused me to have a little bit of shame about my body. I also probably have wondered, can I trust the other people there not to shame me in this exposed situation? And we could probably agree that in our life when we have had, have not in a physical sense, but in an emotional or a, a moral sense or a spiritual sense, when we have stepped out of line, we feel the shame. And a lot of times that shame comes from other people because they're sizing you up and you're not meeting up with their criteria or you're sizing yourself up or you're concerned about how God is viewing the situation and that's where the shame comes in. But here's the truth. The shame we feel does not come from God. It's not from God. Look at this verse. It's one of my favorite verses. (laughs) Verse 8 says, When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. Stop there. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because that shows a picture of this relationship that we are created to have with God. Think about just the natural, free-flowing, honest relationship, intimate relationship of just walking through a garden as the sun's going down and the breezes are blowing with our creator. Can you picture your relationship with God like that? Where, where it's just this daily, natural com- community with your father. I love that, that verse that just shows me that that's, that's what we were created to have. God comes and wants to walk with us. But it says at the rest of verse 8, they hid from the Lord amongst the trees. Then the Lord called to them, where are you? Next verse, please. And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And here's what the, the Lord said. Who told you that you were naked? That's not from God. Us being exposed and being aware of our exposure and the shame that comes does not come from God. And so what we see happens is that we see the covering of Adam and Eve through the sowing and making through fig leaves. God says, no, because I have grace for this situation, I'm going to provide the covering for you. So God provides a covering for our shame. Verse 21. 
says this. The Lord God made clothes from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Here's, here's how I picture that. When we have shame, we try to cover our shame with a, with a material that we think is going gonna, is gonna to protect us. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm sitting with somebody who's dealing with shame, they tend to sit in a, in a, in a position of covering. Jacket on, arms folded, this protection because of the shame that maybe we're talking about. And what does Adam and Eve do? They take fig leaves and, and, and cover themselves. Here's what I was just thinking. How long does it take a fig leaf to wither? I just wonder how long that covering that Adam and Eve tried to do for themselves was going to last. Because if you pull a leaf off a tree, it instantly starts to wither. Now, you may not notice it for a few hours or a day, but it's, it's going to be gone pretty quick. And God says, let me provide something for you that will last. And let me cover the, the shame that you're feeling, the guilt that you're feeling, the sin that you have. And he, he essentially sews leather clothes for them. Leather lasts, right? I mean, if, if you have something that's leather, you pay extra because you know this is going to last. This is going to hold up. I mean, and, and essentially what God does is he, he provides something that's, that's lasting, that's potentially permanent. But really what God's doing is he's providing a picture of the covenant that he is creating for us, his creation, so that we can be back in complete freedom with him. And that covering comes, as we talked about last week, from Jesus, and that Jesus is our covering. Hang with me here, we're getting close. Romans 8, 1 says, There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Last week we talked about Jesus as being our freedom because of the cross, because of what took place on the cross. And we come to him and we are cleared when we come to him from all sin that is in our life. And, and that sin, the work Jesus did on the cross, past, present, future. With shame, how many of you just can recognize that with shame comes condemnation? When, when shame's not dealt with, dealt with then we feel condemnation, but there's none because of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.10, for since we were restored to friendship with God, take that, that line, restored to friendship with God, and just place it next to that, that Genesis 3.8 verse of walking in the cool breeze. That's restored because of the death of his son. While we were still his enemies, we certainly can be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. Because of Jesus, there's a covering provided that removes all shame, all condemnation, and we can walk in complete freedom and complete nakedness before our God. Shame is solved by God's justifying grace. There's no condemnation. And if God's grace saves us, then his grace will also sustain us. God's grace sets us apart and frees us from the shame as we live with him. So God's grace is sanctifying us in this life. Here's what I want to just challenge us to. My assumption is that all of us are carrying some level of shame. And all of us have same, would have some anxiety to expose that, to become naked to somebody else about what you're carrying, or even to feel free to be naked in front of your God because of the shame that you're harboring, because of a, of a sin that you have committed. 
And, and the, the challenge is, is if remotely you're carrying anything like that, you were not created to walk in that kind of a state of covering up. You were created to let, let the blood of Jesus, let what Christ did on the cross, free you from that so you can walk in complete freedom before your God. Here's what I wonder. I wonder if God's people, those of us sitting in this room that claim that we're followers of Jesus, if we were to walk in complete freedom where we're completely exposed and we're completely vulnerable and we're completely honest with God and with each other, I wonder what that would look like to a world that is believing lies that the enemy is is firing off constantly at them. I wonder if we as God's people would, would, would understand that I don't have to carry within me what I think I have to carry because of the sin that I've done. God will remove that. I have to give that to him if we can then walk in such a freedom that the world will say, I want what they have because I want to experience the freedom that I see them having. I just wonder if that, if that would take place. I wonder if we can become people that can be like that. So here's some practical tips to overcoming shame, if you have shame. First, it's to recognize your deficiencies. Recognize your sin. Recognize that there's things that are are blocking your relationship with God. Recognize there's unconfessed sins in your life. And be honest with yourself about them. Number two is to confess them to God. To come to God and say, God... I recognize, you know, confession is just agreeing that this is something that, that separates me from, from God. I recognize, God, that this is, this is separating me from you. Oftentimes when we, when we carry these, these sins, we believe lies about ourselves. And we start to look through a certain set of lenses that dictate the movements of our life. So, here's an example. If you... If you in your life have, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to just isolate people. Just think about us. Think about something in your life that has dictated your life to where you now look through your life through that lens. I probably should have pre-thought of this, huh? <laughs> trying to wing this one. Let me just let me just say this, and I'm not trying to point anybody out. Let's say that you have had an affair in your relationship with your spouse whatever level that would be. And now you walk through life looking through the lenses of I'm, I'm a cheat, I'm a fornicator, I'm a whatever title you put on that. And that becomes the lens that you view yourself and how you view relationships with others and how much you're allowed to, to, to open up to other people. And that dictates that. That's not coming from God. God wants to release you from that and God wants to free you from that life, that that moment that you had, whatever it is. And and we believe this lie that says, well, I'm 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 tainted, I'm unclean, I, I, I'm not worthy, and therefore I have to keep covered. We need to renounce that lie and say, no, Jesus did some work on the cross for me to release me from that. And then continue to walk in your identity and your and worship with God, in relationship with God the way we were created to have. Begin to walk in that. Begin to, to step into that on a daily basis. Just simple tips. You can take a picture of that if that makes sense to you. We can, we can push that out to you. Why don't you stand with me?
I always want to believe that that when we come together like this, we come because we come to church on Sunday mornings, and I recognize that for some of us, that's just what we do. But we prepare as, as, as leadership of this church and as people of this church, we always want to prepare that we come together to honestly lift up God and, and worship him and honor him and bring glory to his name. And then we also come prepared expecting that God wants to, to do work in, in our lives that God wants to, to move us closer and closer into intimate relationship with him and with other people. And so this morning, what I believe is that if we are holding back because of shame in our life, because of things in our life that are keeping us from being free to, to walk in that, in that freedom, um, that I believe that we have an opportunity to, to leave that here in this building. And so if, if, you, if you are aware of stuff in your life that you just know is not moving you forward with God, but is, is blocking, there's something that's blocking you from being honest with your relationship with God, I want to invite you to, to just be bold enough in your life to leave that here. And you could just dump it here. And when you walk out these doors, you'll be walking out in a freedom that you didn't walk in with. And here's how we do it here at Branches is um, the band will start playing and... and there'll be people that will stand up here, come walk up here. And these are people that spent time praying for you this morning. They're, they're prepared. They've been trained on, on how to pray with you to not make you feel awkward. And, they, and ultimately, they, they love you and they want to see your relationship with God grow. And they want to see you free from whatever junk you've carried in here. And so the invitation is for you during the, during the time that the band's playing, during the, the last final worship song, to just come up and ask one of the people up here to engage with you as you meet with God. And they may just simply ask you to, a couple of questions. If you're not comfortable to pray, they'll pray for you. It's not weird. It's, it's our way of saying, hey, we, we want to walk with you. We want to see you walk in the freedom that you were created to have. And so the band, just even right now, those that are praying, can you guys go ahead and come on up? Um, if, if you know for a fact right now that that's you, that, yeah, I've got stuff that I would like to leave here and not carry out. I have shame in my life. I have, I'm covering myself, and I want, want to be free of that. You could just come up here and, and meet with one of these people. Um, and then the way, the way today we'll finish is we'll, we'll finish with a song of worship, and then we'll be dismissed. And there's going to be some transition time from dismiss dismissing to eating, which we'll eat right on the other side of the curtain here. So what we'll want to do during that transition time is if you could exit this room for those that are still being prayed for, maybe if you want to just stay and, and worship or spend time with God or linger to be prayed for, we're going to give that space for, you know, five or 10 minutes. Then we'll, we'll come back in and, um, and we'll, we'll enjoy the, the fellowship and the, and the auction. So Jesus, uh, God just, I, I think we're all just extremely thankful and we recognize your provision, your covering for us from the sin in our life. And God, that your covering is, is, is permanent. That when we, when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and recognize that there's stuff in our life that separates us, us from you, your promises are true, that you remove that, you toss that, it's no longer part of us. You, it's no longer held against us. It's, not, it's no longer seen in your eyes. 
So God, I just pray that right now there's people that know that they need to do some work with you, that they would just find a boldness in them, just kind of a, a, a gut boldness to, to say, today's the day that I'm going to do some business, so I'm not continuing to, to walk around with this, this condemnation, this shame that I feel. Lord, I, I know that your, your heart is to draw close to us. Your heart is for us to have that intimate relationship with you. And you've provided a way for us to have that. I just pray that we would be willing to step into that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your forgiveness. For your healing. We receive that right now. So if you want to come on up, come on up.